This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Mania. And I'm Luca Livius Meble. And our topic this week is How to prepare yourself to WWDC. Awesome. But first, I have some follow up. So, on episode 85, which was called Star Trek Droid Sounds, where I talked about uh, building Alexa skills. And this week, Amazon launched a new way to create Alexa skills called Skill Blueprints, which allows anyone to develop their own skills without any coding knowledge whatsoever. Uh, this feature is currently only available in U.S. English, and there are 21 custom skill templates that you can use. So three examples of them. Uh, there's a home FAQ that can be used by a house guest or a, a babysitter, so you can ask Alexa how to turn on the TV, and she'll tell you because you put it in the template. Uh, interactive stories to entertain children, like bedtime stories and stuff like that. Uh, and various kinds of trivia games that you can create out of these templates. And this goes well with another announcement from this week's uh, Amazon event, which was the Echo Dot Kids Edition, which comes in a colored rubber case and has special accommodations for children in the operating system, such as optimizing to understand common mispronunciations of the trigger words uh, by children, and there's a magic word feature that encourages children to say please and thank you when asking things to Alexa, which is kind of cute. Uh, so you will be able to find links to all of these stories in the show notes. Next up, we have some breaking news follow-up. This literally broke like 30 minutes before we uh, started the show. Uh, Nintendo has entered an agreement with Games, which is the maker of Japan's biggest mobile game title, Grand Blue Fantasy, and another game we discussed on the trading card game episode a year ago, Shadowverse. Um, this seems to be like a sort of admission that maybe DNA wasn't the greatest partner to go with for their mobile games, uh, because uh, excuse DNA... Me, Nick. Wait. You know, excuse me, Nick. It's Dina. Come on. Dina. Oh, I was trying to forget, but I'm going to continue saying it the correct way. Uh, so yeah, uh, DNA hasn't really been relevant in the mobile game market for a really long time. Uh, and I guess that sort of showed in the games that they put out. So they are teaming up with the big dog. Uh, Cygams, and they announced a new action RPG called Dragalia Lost, which is coming out this summer, which is going to be a joint development between Nintendo and Cygames. So very exciting things. And apparently Nintendo now owns 5% of Cygames, uh, which is pretty interesting. So yeah, lots of interesting news coming out there. I haven't read all of the details because it just happened before we started the show, but there you go. Uh, usually stuff happens like five minutes after we stop recording, so I'm glad that this time we caught it just in time. Since we're speaking again about D DNA, um, most of the uh, Nintendo mobile games we mentioned in the past episode are were those DNA games, or like uh, from my from the way I remember my research, it was never really officially kind of said that those were DNA games, or more even even influenced by them. Well, the, the original partnership was DNA is going to set up like the Nintendo account system that the Switch and uh, I guess technically the 3DS got sort of shoehorned into that. But l let's not talk about that because it's a clumsy hack. <laughs> um, and all the mobile games are basically based on like the system that DNA built for them. I believe that all of the games that have been released so far have been joint developments between Nintendo and DNA. More development happened on the Nintendo side than the DNA side, but they were apparently involved in the process. Okay, good to know. Cool, so I think we can move on to the main topic. Yes, and like I said in the introduction, this week we'll be talking about how to prepare your attendance to uh, WDBC. But so what Apple's, if I'm not attending? 
Uh, come on, come on! Don't spoil half of the episode already. Oh, half the episode is I'm not attending WWE. No. So what can you do at home? No, yes and no. So it's it's a bit of yes, what you can do at home. But before that, let's talk about what do you do if you attend. So if you didn't know, or you live under a rock, or you're not an Apple developer, which now it will make sense if you don't know about a WWDC, but Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference starts in on June 4th, which is about in five weeks. Uh, so I think it's a great moment to talk about how do you prepare yourself for attending WWDC. As a side note and related to Yannick's comment, um, I'll be at San, in San Jose, but sadly I won't be at WDC. But at work, we got lucky. Somebody was able to get a ticket to attend the conference. So you might see why I'm talking about that because we are preparing our attendance at work. We'll be uh, at least, yes, we'll be four developers in the San Jose area in at the same time as WWDC and so it does mean that um, all of our products should be represented and the person that will be attending will have to ask a lot of questions and attend a lot of session for all of the product that we work on at work. Before we move on, I do have to point out that the week that WWDC takes place on is a week that we would normally put out a show. There will still be a show, however, I will have a special guest on to take your place because you will be too busy working slash partying in San Jose. So I'm going to leave the surprise until the episode comes out, but we will have a special guest. Yes, uh, Yannick and I are divorcing. That's what Yannick is about to say. That's not what I said. (laughs) Okay, yes. uh, So ignoring my non-presence of... uh attending Limipo uh, that week. So I'll be enjoying the California sun in San Jose and all of the fun on uh, the fun related conference uh, around WWDC, but I want to keep that for later. So let's start with what I call pre-attendance. So what do we do from starting today or even for, for the last few weeks up until the conference? And I think the first important step is to review your already filled bugs. So throughout the year, if you spend time, and maybe you, the last time you filled some bugs was last summer during the beta period, it will be important to review all of the bugs that you have uh, included in Apple's radar system or even for the Swift uh, issue tracker. Because uh, don't forget that Swift has its own issue tracker on Jira at bugs.swift.org. So what should you look at for uh, some of the bugs that you've uh, filled? And hopefully, uh, you got lucky, and Apple replied to your bugs, and they got they fixed them part of the beta process last year, or with eleven point one or two, something like that. But if you're like the majority of developers, you got a bit unlucky, and you end up with some close as duplicate or just duplicate, and your duplicate ticket is open still and stuff like that. So. What I would suggest you to do is take a note of all of those bugs. I have a small summary because if you're not the, per- if you're kind of the representative of, let's say, your team at work, it would be super important to make sure that you kind of not fully understand, but understand enough of those bugs to make sure that you can represent your teammates during the labs. So you should be able to answer some of the questions like, did we get a valuable uh, resolution? Are, 
Is Apple still waiting for more information on those bugs? Why is that being closed as a duplicate? Like, ask about the duplicate. Because sadly, as you may know, if you're an Apple developer, the radar system is quite of a black box. So sometimes, and I've experienced that in the past, you get a bug that is... I got even unlucky that I didn't know that my bug was was duplicated and I never never got any answer from Apple. But somebody, since I posted it on Open Radar, somebody told me like, oh, here's the resolution that I got on mine. So since I wanted to be sure and it was, I got that message a bit before WWC, I brought my bug to one of the engineer and I just asked them, can you like look at the resolution of that bug? Because somebody is suggesting me something and what I've realized is internally at Apple, my bug had a lot of comments, suggestion that sadly nobody uh, forwarded to me on the public side of things. And in the end, uh, the engineer in the lab confirmed that the solution I got from somebody else was the exact right one and that I should just go away with my bug, which was totally what I wanted to hear. Like, like this is the solution and that's what you should do. Um, sometimes when Apple is asking for more information, it does mean that you need to take some of that time to prepare those bugs and maybe spend off some of your developer time about those bugs. This topic about spending time creating small projects for Apple or getting system logs out of your iPhone that takes forever and blah, 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 has been kind of a a a eager topic in the Apple developer community. Some people think that it is as valuable, uh, like you should spend as much time as you should to help Apple help you. And some others should say, you like the bug because even just by logging the bug, you did more than enough knowing that Apple is already overbooked with bugs and that you shouldn't care too much because you know what? The only way you could get it resolved is either by complaining on Twitter and all of that stuff. I would say that my approach to it, and I try to be pragmatic about it, and sometimes it's hard because what I've encountered in the past few years is you encounter bugs, you kind of know that you might not get any feedback from them because Apple is overbooked, so you decided to not log them or you just do minimal work. So at this time of the year, I do feel that it's a great opportunity to go back on some of those bugs you felt or even then create new bugs. Since you're reviewing what you've already filled in, also you might have your own list internally, whether it's in your own project or in your own bug system at your workplace or on the product you're uh, developing. It could be a good, it should be a good idea to spend time now to fill those bugs with as much as information you want. And the reason I think why I think it's a good idea, even if sometimes it feels like you're losing time because you get no answer from Apple, is the following. The way I think about it and the way I want customer of the product I worked on is to give me as much as information as I should need. Because sometimes, and it, it always happens a lot, like it's like the bug report is like, this doesn't work. Like I tried this and it doesn't work. Of course, your initial reflex is to just say, nah, I cannot reproduce. And to me, I find it mind-boggling that some people say that, yes, it is worthless to spend some time because in the end, I already know that they won't look at it. But 
the thinking I have behind that I don't understand behind that is if you think this way, of course they will get close because you don't spend the effort. On the contrary, though, I would know that I would understand that if you spend like hours and hours putting more information in their bug and they never look at it, it is really it feels like it's useless. But the way I see it is, if you have like a fill bug with a project maybe and even system logs, it is a good argument to go to the labs. So you bring this bug and say like, here's it's a bug that has been affecting our application quite a lot. Sadly, yes, we worked it around this way. Or maybe even sadder is you just end up with user crashes and yeah, you decided to live with it because you didn't find a workaround. And by bringing all of this information, usually when you bring crashes to the labs, they say, okay, I look at the stack trace, you should fill a bug. And you don't want to hear that answer right away when you present a problem at Apple Labs during WWC. You really want to keep the discussion going with the engineer. And if you add a working prototype, that also helps because the develop the, the engineer can take some of its time while you're with them in the labs to see what's your use case, maybe provide other solution. That's kind of the goal of the labs, right? So by having way more information, not way more, but a lot more information, I have a properly filled bugs. And let's be honest, if you look at some of, um, some of the comp- iOS companies, uh, in the wild, and they look at, you look at their dev blogs, a lot of them have blog posts about how to properly fill a bug and what they would like their customer to do. Uh, for bug reports. And I think a good example of that, I'll have to find the link in the show notes for the show notes is PSPDF kit. I remember reading a really good article about how to uh, fill concise and important information for a bug report. So that aspect is mainly about filling bugs and making sure your bugs are up to date. And also, since you might have limited time in the lab, it is also important to prioritize the bug you already filled in or the one you just created. The main reason for that is if I, if you get, you're able to get some time in the labs, you might want to start with your main crasher or the main issue you've run into in UIKit, for example. It does make sense and you did, you do want to have the IS priority of this one to get fixed. Also regarding uh, updating and filling new bugs, post WC, WWDC is when Apple is likelier to fix your issues. And I forgot if it was something from somebody from the community or it, it is a, it was a picture from a slide for a couple of years ago from WWDC. But I remember seeing a slide where there was an, like an inversely exponential graph demonstrating the likelihood of your bug getting fixed during the beta process at Apple. And like it's if, it's, if you file bug at beta one, or like if your bug is already filled in and you bring it up in the labs, and because you build about it, the labs, the re, the engineers might retriage it or put more tags to make sure that this looks at part of the beta process. Like the likelier your bug could get fixed in that period, and the more Apple will release betas, and the more we're close, the closer we are to the GM release of the next OS, the unlikelier your bug would get fixed and then it will go back up for the next few minor releases but the more the year will evolve the more you will have to kind of do your work again of 
going to bribe some Apple engineer at the labs. Um, related to the radars you filled in or the Swift Jira bugs you filled in, it was also important to review if you'd open any developer technical support tickets throughout the year. The main reason why uh, I'm talking about that because if you, first of all, if your DTS ticket end up into a radar, usually if you're lucky in the encounter, they realize it's a bug on their side. Usually you get credit back uh, to get technical support from them. But also, DTS is a good opportunity to go to, is a good follow-up opportunity to go to the lab. So if you have ongoing trend with somebody about your developer technical support and maybe it ended with not so much resolution or you feel that what will spark the discussion again because it's been a couple of weeks or a month or two without any feedback from them. It could be a good idea to go to the appropriate lab. So let's say it's a problem with UIKit. You go to the UIKit lab and say, here's, I have this DTS. And you might be already talking to the engineer because don't forget DTS have specific engineer that are just there to help. They're, the way I remember all DTS work is they are generalist engineer. Usually it's like senior engineer that work in a lot of different teams on the product they do technical support but they always end up going back to the engineering team of of the part of the os or the part of the phone or whatever that you have an issue with and labs are filled in with engineer that work day to day on whether it's ui kit depending on the lab you go or xcode or metal so you would be able to kind of remove that one step where of course, the engineer that is in the DTS team knows a friend there and knows a friend there, so he knows where to ask. But sometimes having this direct feedback with the engineer that wrote the code like three months ago would maybe help spark a new solution, uh, maybe a full resolution of the DTS with the way you should do the stuff. And sadly, if it ends in a radar, I already discussed what you should do with the bugs. Before I move about what should you do during the uh, conference, do you have anything else you want to add about pre-attendance? Maybe something I forgot. I mean, I've never been to the WVC, so I can't really speak as to what you should do before going because I never really had a reason to care. Um, I, I forgot. That's a that that's kind of uh, I wouldn't uh, like complain about that, but I forgot if you attended any other conference that were produced and. Yeah, they were produced by the platform owner. I went to Google I.O. in 2011. You almost came with us. That's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd <laughs> like to forget about this incident. Yeah. Let's call it this way. But you never went to any, like, web development stuff? Well, Google I.O. Done? is technically a, half a web development conference, half an Android development conference. True. The main reason why I was asking you that is at that time in 2011 it was still mostly an ios dev compared to nowadays it was really weird though because there were there was a whole bunch of ios jailbreak community people at google io and we all met up and had a nice time uh that evening at the google io party so that was fun um but yeah it was really weird talking to android owners who were so happy about how open their platform was about uh, Android 3.0, which was the active build of the OS at the time, which was not open source. And I was complaining to them, like, this is stupid since the uh, 
source tree isn't open source, I can't customize various features of the OS. And I thought that was the whole point of being open. And if this was a jailbroken iPhone, I would have much less trouble customizing aspects of the operating system because I could hook into any process. And then they were like, yeah, but hooking into any process is a security hole. And I'm like, yeah, but your entire OS is like Swiss cheese. So shut up. <laughs> um, but yeah. Wow. Uh, so it, it was a weird experience for sure to be at Google IO, but it was interesting nonetheless to be at one of those conferences but i think personally i would be so much more interested in going to the sessions than to spend my time in the labs that i would actually be kind of angry if someone tasked me to go to the labs to figure out everybody else's bugs huh that that's an interesting comment to be honest because um yeah because last time i the first time i went with which is also the last time um, I would, I was a bit more on that. And also, uh, part of preparing for this episode is also part of the work we do at work, which I felt when I went in 2015, we were a bit, bit relaxed about our pre-attendance preparation. We had a couple of questions, but I felt that, uh, we could have prepared a bit more. And I'm happy that this year we are doing that, mainly because I'm kind of, Making sure that we are prepared, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, and also, it makes for this episode. Um, related to Yannick's comment about not attending the conference, I do feel that still getting on top of your already filled in bugs and whether you should fill, you're being negligent about filling some of the bugs that you encountered throughout your development here, I think it's still a good time uh, even if you're not attending, to prepare those and make sure they're, they're up to date on it, so they are ready once the better are. It could be a, a strategy to maybe wait on the first Monday, which we'll be talking a bit about, when Apple will release the first beta to the developers, so you can maybe try your stuff again and then see if it's fixed on the first beta, and if it's not, try to sneak that in as a, oh my god, it doesn't work on iOS plus one right and plus one so getting that could be a strategy to maybe try to get your bug fix uh part of the beta process i do want to add an asterisk though to my statement about the sessions which is the scale of what i was doing as an indie uh, ios developer back in the day and what you guys are doing as an entire company means that you in aggregate have much more bugs than I had as an indie developer because I simply couldn't work on as much stuff, which means that I maybe had one bug per year that I would actually want to bother Apple with, whereas I'm sure that you guys have much, much more than that because of the scale of your applications and you have multiple applications as well and all that stuff. That's uh, that's a good point. That's I would say after, and part of the reason why is I think um, a lot of what I see people posting about is part of the new APIs. Uh, I've seen an example about the UI view property animator that I discussed in my, did I? Yes, I think I discussed it up in my iOS 10 deployment target because that was introduced in iOS yep. 10. Um, and that has been, like I've used it in small demos and to prepare the episode, but we haven't used it day to day at work yet and from what I've been reading about it recently it was a good idea to maybe not use it because there was a lot of bugs in it in iOS 10 every time every the second you wanted to make a really 
I would say not a really fancy animation, but something that was just a bit outside the box that Apple thought about. So maybe some of your animation that you already had created uh, would make this clash crash on iOS 10. And then now they fix a couple of bugs on iOS 7, but there's still a lot of crashes. Um, yeah, I've seen, uh, as uh, my pre-attendance list suggests, I've been seeing a lot of bugs popping back up on Twitter saying like, oh, we logged that, don't forget. And we're preparing to bring those packs to the lab because we love this new API, but there's still a couple of bugs we would like Apple to fix. So, uh, no, yes. So, the main point I wanted to demonstrate, yes, so the main point I wanted to demonstrate about when, so after our preparation about all of this, so you have all your bug prepares, you reviewed your DTS, you filed some small projects and new bugs, now become the beginning of the conference. And I think there's a lot of important stuff if you're attending that you have to do on Mondays. And of course, you should attend the keynote and the State of the Union. But after attending those, the Monday night, if you're not partying like I'm supposedly be doing, according to Yannick, you should prepare a kind of a schedule slash plan of attack. Let's call it this way. Um, Apple WWE conference, WDC conference is a multi-track conference. So there's going to be a lot of sessions at the same time, but also it's also, it, it is also a multi-track lab session. So if you want to optimize your time spent in the lab, you really need to make sure that you're attending the labs as a first priority and maybe don't, don't playing your attendance of the session. And what I think is good is part of the state of the union, because you'll get more details as a developer, you should identify topics of interest. And every year I do feel that there, uh, Every year, Apple kind of has two types of topics. The first one is throwing all of the information about the new stuff to developers. And also, the other type is to remind developers about new functionalities that they've added in previous OSs or design patterns that Apple is suggest strongly suggesting you should use in applications. Yeah, and I'd add another one to that list, which is these are much rarer, but occasionally they'll do like case studies of specific applications that have used a technology that was introduced in the past and to explain how it happened in production and how they've improved on those APIs since then. Yeah, I think one of the examples we use in quite great lens at work and some of my iOS dev friends also do is the advanced operation, NS operation talk in 2016... Yeah, where well, they've been using the WWDC app as kind of a platform to demo how you should quote unquote properly develop your uh, iOS app or one way of developing, architecting your iOS app according to Apple. And those sessions are becoming more frequent in the recent years and I always love to attend those. Were you about to say something? I was going to ask a question, but I'll leave it to the end of the episode because A, that will build suspense, and B, I don't think it's necessarily related to what you're talking about now. So, Oh, wow, building suspense. Yeah, I'll have to write it down, though, so I don't forget. Yeah, don't forget it. So, yeah, uh, what I feel... So, first of all, identify the lab that you should all make sure to attend. So, by making sure you attend, you might have to skip the session before the labs open. 
Um, the time slot opens in the lab because you might want to be already be in the queue because uh, popular labs, I would say UI kit stuff, Xcode stuff. Uh, I uh, yes, I should talk about uh, the design labs. If you want to go get Apple designers looking at your project, this, especially the design lab, gets super book super quickly, overbook super quickly. Uh, this one you should expect to wait in line in the morning just to put your name on the schedule to make sure you'll be able to see somebody. But for most of the other types of labs, usually you're, if you arrive maybe 15, 20 minutes in advance before the time slot or when you want to spend maybe 30 minutes or 20 minutes with an engineer, um, you should expect to have a couple of people in front of you and wait. And then what follows is if you want to focus, and I think if you've done the preparation I'm suggesting you to do, you want to focus on the labs because nowadays compared to maybe 10 years ago, um, it's super easy to get the videos right, not even right after during the conference. So, uh, for the last two years, Apple is live streaming two tracks out of four or five, depending on the year of uh, the Apple WWDC. I think last and year it was all of them. It might have even been the last. I'm always confused about which is which, and but they are doing a lot of work to make sure that all of the day's content is uploaded during the night. So. If you live in Eastern time zone like Yannick and I, usually it means that around 1 p.m. the next morning, the next day, you should be able to, not even that, like, usually what happens is I leave work around 5 or 6, I arrive home, I cook, and then I watch all shit ton of videos overnight, but ah, yes, that has to start on a Wednesday to make sure I have my, yes. So that starts the next day and I do that during the day. I'll come back about not attending because, uh, but yeah. So don't focus too much about the session because you can watch them after. Um, also at the same time, I think it is important to note or tag your favorite session, the one that you really want to attend right now, because since you're attending, you already had, um, time in your schedule to watch videos or attend session. Later in the year, whether it might be harder to take an hour off of your development's uh, life cycle to watch a video. So WWC, the week itself, whether you're attending or not, is a good uh, time to just ingest a lot of new information and learn about a lot of new stuff. If you're attending, you need to balance that out with attending the labs, which those happens once a year if you get lucky and you're able to go every year if you win the lottery. And if I can tack on another asterisk to the session stuff, uh, some of the sessions are remarkably light on content, unfortunately. Uh, it's sort of heads or tails if you're going to wind up with one that is very content-dense or very content-lacking. Uh, so uh, one of the tips that I would recommend is go check the PDFs of the slides if they're available uh before committing to watch the entire thing because occasionally this happened to me where I was I had to watch like I had five different sessions for the technology I was interested in and like only one of them was actually useful and it was unclear from the descriptions which was the actual good one with the content in it so if you just like 
skim through the slides real quick if they're available of course uh i think those go up later than the videos uh, you can at least get a better idea of which are uh worth watching yeah exactly and maybe you don't want to watch them uh while you're at wbc because you might want to take that time and that's my next point is in the rest of the week you will want to do maybe three things attending the labs attending session or preparing slash playing with new stuff so you might do that in the hotel at night after this the session or you might be partying but you also want to if you get some resolution on some of your tickets or some of your problems you might want to make sure that this solution works for your problem and then if it doesn't i'll already go back to the labs and kind of have this first iteration also uh, part of trying the new features or trying the new betas, uh, already having discussion about some of the issue encountered in those uh, in the labs and not after the conference is a major plus. So you might have to spend a session that you wanted to watch a session. You might then might want to spend that time downloading the downloading the, the latest Xcode beta installing the beta, the latest betas on your test devices. Don't do that on your main phone, especially if you're not uh, somebody that lives in the United States because you might uh, end up being in a bag of earth. So make, that's a good point. Make I sure. learned this in Japan a couple years ago. Don't do it. <laughs> make sure to bring extra devices to do exactly that. Usually what I do in, since the app I work on is mainly on the iPad, I have my main dev iPad and I have the beta iPad that I just steal from the QA set of iPads. <laughs> Shouldn't say that, but that's true. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, so at least I have an iPad uh, to test the latest feature. The I think the downside I've seen is usually my main dev machine, uh, my main dev iPad is usually more recent. So sometimes some of the feature that is part of the new OS as a user uh, are disabled because they need a lot of CPU, a lot of ram stuff like that and then you cannot try those but hopefully you should be able to try uh, the new apis which is what you should be doing at the dub not trying the latest shiny new toy in the us so now we at, are at the part where you're spent a nice week in california you're taking the plane back home or for most people it's taking the plane back home unless you're living in california already so you maybe just driving back home and what you should do after your attendance of WWDC because there's a lot of information you've gained, a lot of feedback you might have gained. So if you spend a lot of time uh, in the labs, it would be important to bring that feedback to your team or to your product and make sure it is uh, make sure it is actionable. Like like I said, you want to do that as much as you can part of the week, but sadly. That might not be feasible. So you want to review that actionable feedback and make sure that it is really actionable. And if it's not, make sure that you update your tickets or update, uh, maybe uh, send another DTS ticket and make sure that this happens in the next few weeks after WWDC because like I said in the beginning, this is the best time to have your issues fixed. What I would... What I would guess that will happen more than having a lot of actionable uh, really not really actionable stuff i think what will happen is you'll have a lot of bug fix or you'll have a lot of 
it's going to be fixed in one of the next betas so watch the release notes and make sure to test with the latest betas so you have to do that throughout the summer but i think what will happen once you come back is you will have identified a lot of sessions that you would wanted to attend but were not able to attend and that whether you attended wbdc or you're from home or from work or even just in san jose but not attending i'm sure there's going to be a lot of that and i think my past experience for the last four years just watching videos is exactly that i favorites like half of the session because half of the session are super interesting or at least they feel interesting by the description and i just especially when i'm here back home i binge watch a lot of session and then once the session the weeks ends it stops for the rest of the year it's super rare that you don't have the time or the priorities throughout the year yeah it feels to me that the WWDC week, even if I'm not attending, is kind of the time where I need to focus on what's happening. So this is usually the time where I watch a lot of sessions. So the thing I really want to try this year is really downsize the number of sessions I want to watch. And what I want to try is to identify five sessions that are required watching and that are directly related to the types of apps i work on the main downside with that is you don't learn about like let's for example i don't do that much web development but there might be finally ui kit on it who knows web os no watch os oh you said web os <laughs> that's also funny i don't do web os development that's that's a funny uh lapsus why but would yes, apple make UI kit for WebOS. That would be so you, cool, though. You didn't. You didn't uh, read the last, the latest rumor about uh, WebOS and Apple. Like uh, Apple is buying LG and then they're getting uh, WebOS back. That's what happens. Oh yeah, because LG did such a great job on the panels for the Pixel Two last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's no. Let's not go back about my this my review of my TV, which I love, and WebOS is really nice on it. But yeah, uh, so. Watch OS. That's what I meant. Yep. So I, I don't really do that much watch OS development, but um, I'm still eager to kind of know what's happening there. If we were, uh, if at one day we really have the need to go there, I kind of know what to do a bit. But that, I think what happened in the last years is created a lot of noise. So I should focus really on the important stuff. Um, and the five session has a small caveat, let's be honest. So it excludes the keynotes, it excludes the state of the union, and it excludes typical kind of guiding sessions. And what I mean by that is that like... What's new in Cocoa Touch? Yes, the what's new in X. Uh, when it's like Cocoa Touch, UI Kit, uh, like big frameworks, usually you have a lot of, um, you have a lot of follow-up session that go specific into each topic another a counter example to that is what's new in core data that's the only session about core data every year usually so you i get all of your information in it um so if you use core data for your application like we do it is important to watch it and maybe make it count as one of your five sessions but uh, in general that's a three type of session slash main event that I would exclude part of this new rule. So 
let's say for example if we take this year so you watch the you you watch the keynote you watch the state of the union you realize there's a lot of new stuff in xcode so you go watch what's in xcode um you might after watching the what's in xcode you might identify i would say one or two session that you won't want part of these fives so you you identify those two if you're on ios like i would guess most of our listeners if they're app developers you would do the same with the what's new in coco touch identify one or two maybe like one of those UI table view prefetching data sources or drag and drop stuff like that uh, identify one of those and then I would say as the last one you might want to reserve the last one for something like the advanced NS operation or how to convert that one of the other good ones in this uh, type of session was uh, how to pragmatically include Swift in an app while doing maintenance on it or adding new features so it will uh, that session was really nice because it was showing you nice features of swift at the same time as how to be pragmatic about including swift uh, in your code base if you have large object vc code base so identify you could go up to 10 like depending like five i would say five to ten hours of content that is required viewing in the next few days after WDC. Something like, like it's, it's super important that you know about this to improve your development in the next year or also plan new features to be done during the summer to be ready for the new OS because you want to launch and get, maybe get some traction about those. I want to add another asterisk though to your required viewing thing, which is if you are an independent iOS developer, um, I would strongly suggest watching three to five random sessions that have nothing to do with what you usually do. And the reason for that is you couldn't get really good app ideas just from seeing other technologies you are not used to working with. Uh, and sometimes there's a really neat feature in some framework somewhere that either becomes a feature of your app that you had never thought of before or becomes an app in itself. And one of the things for me that really stood out about that was uh, geofencing in um, whatever OS that was. Uh, when they introduced the geofencing API, shortly after that, I made Pastelli Check, which was basically this um, way to refresh a prepaid card balance. And at the time, there were no widgets uh, to speak of. So I sent a notification. I used geofencing to dispatch a refresh request. And then that refresh request would send a notification to you that you could position to the top of your uh, notification center because back then you could custom order notifications on like now. And if you had it pinned to the top, you basically had this widget in big air quotes that showed you how much money was left on your prepaid card. And I built that basically entirely for myself. And then during my first trip to Japan, uh, a second trip to Japan, I got to actually use it myself and it was amazing. And sometimes you just watch a session and you get that crazy idea out of it. And uh, I'm not going to lie, like sometimes like some of the stuff in EOS only came out of random WWC sessions that I watched and found out, oh, I could do it this way and this way. So don't limit yourself necessarily to what you work on unless you work in a company where it's pretty clear what you're going to be working on for the next year already. 
I know that's an exact, it's a really extremely good point. And that's why, uh, like you, if you remember, I've said five and then I said five to 10 hours <laughs> in the content. It really is easy because there's a lot of interesting stuff and it's hard to limit yourself because it all looks awesome. Right. But also you're bringing me to the last point after the, for the post attended section is really like, if you identify five and usually Apple session these days are 40 to 50 45 40 to an hour right 40 minutes to an hour so if you identify five and you're lucky and then some of them are more 40 minutes than an hour it's like i said four to five hours of content so you're good to go for the next few months maybe some preparation because you've identified new features that you want really want to add to your in the app so you might have identified that but i would say that i think everybody can maybe find 10 hours around a month, right? So like, let's think about like June. So you have attended, maybe June since you attended, it might put a lot of strength on your personal life, but throughout the rest of the summer, you should be able to find 10 hours. Hopefully, and strongly suggest that those 10 hours, five to 10 hours are closer to DubDub to kind of ride the DubDub wave, like all of the nice functionality, like hyped about it and, uh, like not get too much of the work the life come back and just go back to your routine but what i'm trying to say here is you get five of super important stuff and five exploratees exploration session or maybe five to help you do another episode about on your podcast just saying but this other five is to me to uh, do the next suggestion and then maybe you can build up a schedule where you want to go through a lot of content throughout the year. Uh, but that that's up to you. So uh, that's mostly what I had to say about the post attendance. The last point I add is if you're not attending, but you're in San Jose, there's a lot of other conference that are um, going to happen during the week. Uh, the main huge one that is free, so it's huge. It's Alconf, and I think Alconf exists since five or six years now at this point. Yeah. It's kind of the main one uh, that happened next to WDDC and at the same time for mainly because they know that a lot of people are coming to, used to be San Francisco, but now San Jose, to kind of be part of the Apple ecosystem vibe that is this week in the community. So you can learn a lot of new stuff that was not new about the next version of the OS, but different ideas about how to develop apps, maybe how to run your business, um, how to debug stuff. So there's going to be a lot of new information, even on that, that you have to digest, which could also put the strain on the session watching stuff. But it's good to balance maybe a bit of this. So if you're attending... I, uh, some of those other conferences, maybe try to find if you can like also maybe watch a session live stream, uh, especially if you're attending a conf and you don't want to pay for uh, one of their reserved seats for the week. Uh, go back to your hotel or Airbnb or just find some cheap Wi-Fi somewhere in San Jose and just maybe go on the live stream and watch what's currently there. So you might have already started to look and like, Check, check some of the session you wanted to watch st- while still being there. 
And that's exactly it, what I had to say about WC. Uh, I'm starting to be uh, super excited about it, even if I'm not attending Dub Dub. Um, I'll be mainly, I still need confirmation, but I'll be mainly at all conf. So if you see me, you can, can say hi and I'll say hi again. That's good. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I'll be like in the next few weeks, I'll be also preparing some of the bugs for my colleague attending the labs. And that's kind of what I said is like, oh, I'm happy that you go to dub dub, but here's the list of bug I want you to talk about. And uh, that's what I'm going to do in the next few weeks. Cool. Do you want my super question? Yes. I, whoa, that's, I forgot about it. That was uh, it's, it's kind of a troll notes. question because it's topical for this week's uh, zeitgeist in the iOS and Mac development community. How useful do you think the labs are for people who are using alternative development methods on iOS and Mac? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do I really need to answer that question? Well, or not? okay. I, I, I can answer the part that is about Electron, which is no fucking way it's going to be useful. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, so you know, there's like a spectrum. Uh, you can start at normal, uh, Cocoa Touch, and then you can go to RX Swift, and then you can go to React Native, and then you can go to like Bonkers Town and use Cordova. Uh, where along where on that spectrum do you think it stops being useful going to labs? Yeah, if I ignore the, the drawing question and really go to the meat of what you just described, I, I do feel that you still have to kind of either you're the company or the developers building this solution for others where you would interface with with the really Apple APIs. So you might need help from them uh, to fix a bug or to understand the problem. You're not sure to, how to expose throughout your layer that you're exposing for, let's say, JavaScript apps. But it feels to me that if you're going to another language, I would think that Apple sees that as a clear limitation. Like, it's another language, Sucks okay, to be but something you. like RX Swift, which is sort of like a series of extension methods on existing stuff. I mean, they can't help you figure out the framework itself because that's not their job, right? Um, I guess it's it depends like what the interaction that is causing your bug is going to be. But again, like another reason not to use these technologies is basically you don't have the situation to deal with you you're always using it straight from the horse's mouth yeah and you know what you're making a funny point which remind me about a previous dts ticket we had at work which was regarding a crash in af oh, networking God. it was a crash in the us that was caused by af networking and you know what they kind of help us kind of debug af networking a bit which was super interesting because we kind of realized that some of the security flags, I don't remember the exact details, but I want to go, I don't want to go into too much details about it. But, um, what we realized it, it was just a misconfiguration of some security network layer, uh, in AF networking that if we would just use different parameters, we'll have better, or a better security and also wouldn't make the US crash. But it was interesting to see uh, the DTS person help us better understand AF networking, even if at least AF networking is open source, so it's easier it's easier to understand it when compared to a closed source uh, third party code. But that was interesting to just see. I'm sure he's that I think it was uh, I forgot the guy, but the guy is nicknamed Eskimo, so uh, I think it was. 
that guy that helped us in that case. I'm not sure. But it was interesting to see and note that Apple was kind of providing technical support about an OS bug or an OS crash or weird behavior of their OS that was kind of caused by third party software. That was not ours. And I, I guess they sort of don't have a choice but to support uh, the most popular libraries to a certain degree anyway. And AF networking is certainly one of those. I mean, that's probably one of the most used li- third party libraries on iOS. I don't know if it still is or if Alamo Fire took over, uh, because that was sort of around the time I dropped off from iOS development. Um, but I can certainly see some argument for that on their side, but they're probably much more likely to support actual libraries than they are to support alternative means of programming applications on their platform, I would imagine, especially given how badly Apple got screwed by that whole concept in the 90s uh they would not want it to happen again yeah which that wouldn't surprise me that if you're using react native or maybe not as like thick layer uh, as a concept as react native and all of these or electron even but maybe like rx swift maybe will they will say you like create me an mv typical apple suggested mvc app and can you repro that in that small project yes then we'll find the bug right but like at least remove some of those layers whether they're super thin to super thick then i'm sure they will use that excuse faster than you might think cool so that was the long answer (laughs) to your 12 but i would like to know let's note i would like to mention some of our uh, private discussion (laughs) about that was i was so pent up this week that i had my idea of talking about how to prepare your attendance to dub dub and it was like Fuck this shit. We'll talk about it in a month. I want to talk about like Electron. And then Yannick was like, yeah, don't forget to talk about it. He's like, oh, that's true. That's a good idea that we don't talk about it. Again, like all the people that does iOS <laughs> development. So that was good. At least we did talk a bit and troll a bit, but it ended up being really yeah, good. I, I do have some new ranty stuff to add about Electron eventually. So maybe we can do another episode on it in the future. But uh, I think this is probably more important to do right now than ranting about electron because we will never retire of ranting about electron <laughs> let's be honest that's true all right is that it yep it is all right so you can find the show notes for this particular episode of limitless possibility at limitlesspossibility.net slash 88 you can also find all of the episodes of this fabulous show at limitlesspossibility.net the show is on twitter at limipo underscore podcast that's l-i-m-i-p-o underscore podcast you can find us individually on Twitter. I am at Sakarina on Twitter and on micro.blog. Spoilers for the next episode. And Dick Olivier is on Twitter at... Come on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'll screw up all the outro. You did not create the account on micro.blog, please. I did. I've been posting just, from it like, okay. all week. I know, but I know you've been posting about it. I was just afraid that you wanted to add the to put the podcast on there now. Not yet. Oh, come on. Don't say not yet. <laughs> okay. And you can find myself on Twitter at, at Lukonush. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And Yannick hasn't convinced me to use microblog, I guess, yet. So. And I don't think I'll ever convince anyone to use it, but that is for next episode. See you in two weeks. Yeah. We'll see in two weeks.